If you would, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. There should be a Bible there in front of you. If you do not have a Bible, by all means, grab one out of the pew in front of you. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 5 today. Uh, Before we get there, though, I just want to take a couple of minutes and, uh, again, welcome all of our visitors. If you are visiting with us today, uh, I am very thankful that you are here. And uh, I, I do not believe in coincidences. I believe we serve a sovereign God who orchestrates things in our life, moves on our hearts. And, and I can say this, we, we are praying that God will continue to add souls to this church. We're continuing to pray that God will bring new families to this church. So if you're here visiting, just know you've already been prayed for. And uh, I don't know uh, where your heart is or um, how God's dealing with you in your life at this point, but I just want you to know that uh, you're at a good place, Community Baptist Church, and I am thankful that you joined us this morning. And pray that God will speak to you through the preaching of His Word today. I trust that uh, our members will uh, make you feel welcome. And uh, so again, we just want to say thank you for being here and being a part of our services today. Uh, With that said, uh, there are several of you who uh, have been coming for a while, and uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the hallway for a new members class. And maybe you're visiting just today, but you want to know more about this church. Our new members class is a way that helps you understand uh, the ministries of Community Baptist Church. Uh, if you go through the class, you're by no means, you know, do you have to, you know, join the church, but I always encourage people, if you want to know more about what we believe, where we're at, uh, check that out. And so there is a sign-up sheet there in the hallway, and we'll be announcing that class in the near future. Uh, but again, glad you're, glad you're here today. And uh, thank you to all of those folks who came out yesterday and helped Michelle get moved. Uh, we knocked that thing out pretty quickly, and so I appreciate all those that were available to help uh, with that. Thank you for, for being involved. Take your Bibles, look in the, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And uh, today, we're moving through our book study. For those visiting, we do a book study. Uh, I believe in taking it verse by verse, line by line, because I feel like that way, when God speaks to you, you know God's speaking to you because we didn't prearrange to preach this message just because you showed up today. All right? God did, but I didn't. So uh, anyways, we are in, in Luke chapter 5 in, in verse 12 today. Uh, just, some, just some kind of recap on what's been happening, and I'll give a, a kind of an overview. Uh, the writer Luke has been recording the historical text here, and he's been highlighting some of Jesus' ministry up to this point. And we're seeing some of those first miracles uh, unfolding on these pages, and some of those things that we've seen so far, miracles shown by Luke, were the, uh, the physical weakness. You remember Jesus healing Peter's uh, stepmother of her fever. Uh, you also recall the, that um, the miracle of uh, spiritual wickedness, Jesus casting out those demons uh, there in the synagogue. You also see uh, Luke's uh, prior passages has recorded the uh, Jesus' influence, power over natural laws when he summoned all the fish to one location. Uh, again, all of these miracles are being written down in these historical documents so that they testify to who this man was. Who is Jesus? Some of you may be here today, and that may be the question you're asking in your heart. Who is Jesus? I mean, 
Seems like, you know, what I know of him, he's a, he's a historical figure, can't argue that. Some people say, well, you know, maybe he was, I think he was a good man because he had good teaching. Some say, well, he was a prophet. Um, uh, some people think he was a good teacher. But I think it was C.S. Lewis and Josh McDowell later kind of fine-tuned this phrase, but either Jesus was a liar or a lunatic, or he's Lord. You can't have Jesus just as a good man. Because good men don't go around claiming to be God. I'm just saying. You know, you show up tomorrow at work and somebody comes to you and tells you they're God, you're going to probably be on the phone calling the cuckoo's nest, right? To come pick them up. Okay? Or you just dismiss them because they're lying. But when someone makes this claim and they back it up, now we've got to take a serious look at what's going on here. And so we have these thousands and thousands of manuscripts as we hit on last week that have been discovered that are historical documents. And by the way, the most historical document ever in existence is the testaments of scriptures that you hold in what's called the Bible. We looked last week at over 25,000 manuscripts have been discovered. And yet the closest thing in any historical history, uh, especially when we compare the New Testament writings in Greek, 5,800 New Testament writings that have been discovered to the, to the closest one being Homer's Iliad of 643, I believe. That's a pretty wide gap. 25,000 plus when you look at all the other languages that the New Testament's been discovered in compared to... 643. And we hit on that last week. We talked about how reliable that book is that you hold. It's not just some uh, you know, mystical writing. It's not some fairy tale. This, it, what you hold there are the claims, the eyewitness accounts, the historical writings of people who were there, who walked and talked, ate, breathed, and knew this man Jesus. And so today we continue on in discovering more about this person, Jesus Christ. You know, this past week, I appreciate those who prayed for me. My wife was going to a pastor's wife's conference. She went to Asheville to the Cove, Billy Graham's Cove, and she was there with another pastor's wife, and they had a good time, good, good getaway. But that left me with the four kids. <laughs> and I know some people were, were probably fasting and praying to see my way through that. For those of you who don't know, I have four little ones, and uh, let's just say it was, a, it was a handful, but it was a good time. It was a good time. And in fact, they did so good, I, I did something I don't normally do, um, but I took them out to the movies. And, uh, and it was hard to find a good movie to go to, but, but we took them, and we went and saw the... Uh, and I'm not endorsing this movie, so don't go, well, Preacher said that was a good... Anyway, I, I thought, well, let's go see a movie, and, and I took them to see the Oz movie. Because I thought, you know, I grew up watching, as many of you grew up, who, who's seen The Wizard of Oz? Come on, raise your hand, confess your sins. All right, see. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, okay, well, you know, we'll go see that one. And they were all excited, and so I got them some popcorn and some sodas, and they were just, you know, <gasps> eyes lit up when it comes on the big screen. And, and uh, it was great, though. I loved it because in the movie, you know, the Oz is a magician, 
And we're right there in the middle of the movie theater and it's quiet and this guy's doing something. And he makes this comment, something about magic. And Luke turns to me and goes, just as loud as he could say it so that everybody in the theater could hear him. Dad, I don't believe in magic. I believe in miracles. That's my boy. Amen? Uh, that's good. That's fleshing out that, you know, that, that faith. That's good, Luke. Uh, I don't know if everybody else appreciates it. <laughs> but, but anyway, I thought that was really neat. And, and that's where we're at, guys, in this text today. It's not magic. It's miracles. I mean, this is God intervening in the natural law. And, and come on, it's God. You know, I've heard it said, if you, if, if you can get past verse 1 of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why is God going to have any problem with turning water into wine? <laughs> I mean, really? Well, I don't know about this, you know, parting of the Red Sea. I think it was the Reed Sea. No. He spoke and the universe leaps into existence. He's God. He's not going to have any problem with some of these things. But here again, Jesus is on his earthly mission and part of recognizing who he is meant that he would do supernatural things, things that would disrupt the natural flow, hence a miracle. Now, notice in today's text, let's begin our reading in Luke 5, 12 and following. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning it in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, 
rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Father, I pray that you would please allow me to be a clean vessel used for your honor. Lord, I pray that you would search every heart, every mind, every soul that's here today. And Lord, I pray you speak. Speak to us, Lord. Make your presence known. I don't know what hurt folks have within their heart, within their life, what struggles they face, what problems, Lord, that they carry. You do, though. And I pray you've drawn them here today, Lord, that they might be touched by you. Heal them, Lord. Help us to know you for who you are. You are truly God. And I thank you and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today's reading begins with Jesus coming into a certain town, probably Capernaum. You remember this is his Galilean ministry. He's been around uh, city after city there around the the lake uh, of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And he happens into this certain city. And the Bible says that there was a man full of leprosy. Now, leprosy um, is used many ways in the Old Testament. It's oftentimes uh, described, again, it's for a, a, a skin disease. Some have speculated perhaps it was lupus, uh, perhaps it was um, ringworm, other things of that nature. And it uses oftentimes for various skin disease that general term. But in this text, you'll find that he was full of leprosy. And I believe, as many have researched out, that uh, this term was used and very descriptive in the day of Jesus' time, that when someone was full of leprosy, it was to the point of almost disfigurement. I believe it's uh, termed Hansen's disease. Maybe somebody in the medical term knows uh, today's diagnosis of this. And uh, a very contagious disease, and especially in this time, because they didn't have, uh, my understanding, and again, I'm not a medical profession, if somebody is in it and I say something incorrect, please correct me later. But my understanding is that there still, even today, is no cure for leprosy, but it's manageable and treat, and they can treat it and keep it, I guess, subsided. I guess a modern type, uh, a modern type sickness would be like an AIDS. You know, it's that type of stigma was on it in Jesus' day. To the point, though, in their time, that if you had leprosy, you were actually supposed to be removed from the public population. Um, And there's actually, if you go back into the Old Testament, and we'll look briefly uh, in a little bit about those who had leprosy, there was... um, 
initially it was, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, okay? But in the Old Testament, it was often viewed as judgment from God. Um, and so as a ceremonial uh Law, they would have to do certain things to present themselves to the priests. They would also be removed from the camp during the time of uh, inspection, if you will, to see if this was truly leprosy, if it was somewhat something else. Did it go away? Did it subside? Uh, you'll find that in Leviticus 13 and 14 if you want to go a little more in-depth as to how they treated and what they did to ensure what, what's going on here. But in this case, you've got a man full of leprosy, and um, uh, whether or not the stigma was correct or incorrect is not the point of this, but uh, no doubt he would have been treated in such a way that he was an outcast. He was not accepted in the main. And in fact, let's take a look at one of the practices that, that, would have, that he would have known and understood. Go, go to Leviticus real quick. Everybody turn to Leviticus. And let's look in Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13. And let's look in verse 45. Now the leper... This is verse 45 of, of Leviticus 13. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall be unclean all the days. He has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now again, they didn't have uh, <coughs> uh, the medical uh, things, if you will, and, and again, this was prescribed, though, in God's Word on how, at this time, uh, to, to deal with this. One of the things that they, that they would have to do is if they were coming into a public situation, was they would have to announce it. Unclean! Unclean! And when you would hear that in that time, you would know someone is coming through with this highly contagious disease. And it would probably be like a parting of the Red Sea if there was a crowd there. They'd get back. Because they knew to get this would mean that they too would have to be cast outside of the camp. And so, it, you know, again, it was, a, it was a tough situation, bad to say the least. But this was how they would have to deal with things. I, I, you know, it's kind of like I remember when I was a security guard at uh, um, at Piedmont, and uh, if you went into, if, if you know, there was a phone call and you had to, like I remember one night, y'all guys know Dr. Mayo Winstead, uh, you had to pick on him about this story, but I, uh, one night the girls come screaming out the window, they're yelling out the window from the second story, help, help! So we have no idea. We go rushing into the girls' dorm, and of course we have to immediately yell, "Man on the hall! Man on the hall!" <laughs> You know, just to play it safe, especially at that time of night. But there was a bat flying around in the girls' dorm. And they were freaking out. And uh, so a male armed with a broomstick, me armed with a rug. I tossed the rug in the air. The bat hit it. He dropped him to the weight of it, dropped him to the ground. And male beat that thing and broke that broom. 
That has nothing to do with the leprosy story, but I just thought I'd share it. <laughs> the point was that, that, you know, the announcement, man on the hall, man on the hall, was to give people notice, hey, there's some men on the hall. And in those days, when somebody would yell, would, would yell unclean, unclean, it was to give them notice that there was someone coming through who had leprosy. So, here we find, again, in the text that um, this man is full of leprosy. And as he finds Jesus, he sees Jesus. I, I want us to note the accounts as written by both Matthew and Mark. Because I think it's important when we study our Bible. You remember we talked about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've got folks recording different perspectives, if you will, on this. And, and so sometimes you're going to have details included in one that the other author might not include. And so when you put those together, you get a full picture of what's really taken place. I want you to see this. So turn over, if you would, to... Um, let's look in Matthew 8. Look over in Matthew 8. We'll look at that account first, and then we'll look at the Mark account. Matthew 8... Verse 1, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy the, the, the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Turn over to Mark. We'll see the account there as it's recorded. Matthew, Mark. And this will be in, in chapter 1. And let's look... In verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Boy, isn't it good to get the full story? This is getting the full story. Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However... He went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to Him from every direction. So there we get a glimpse in some disobedience actually in response to Jesus' healing, um, which we'll, we'll kind of look a little bit more 
uh, into that. But uh, you notice the, the man, he saw Jesus, he, he worshipped Him, he, was, he came to Him and fell on His face. And there's something that's implied. He said, Lord, if you are willing. There's a great implication in that. I hope you don't miss it. Jesus has been doing miracles. His name has been spread already. Folks are beginning to amass and follow him. They know that he is no ordinary man. And no doubt this leper, when he sees him, he knows this is the one that they've been talking about. He comes to him and recognizes him and says, Lord, if you are willing. He believed enough to know that Jesus could heal him. And only God could heal leprosy. You see, there's a statement implied here. He recognizes him as God. There's a hint to his deity. And in case we don't get it, we'll unfold that deity statement in the next story of the man being lowered down from the roof. Now, we may not get there today, but just know that these are put together in Luke's writing to establish a point. What is the point? The point is, this is God incarnate. The God of creation manifest in physical form. He has the ability to heal. And this man says, Lord, if you are willing, he knows he has the ability to cleanse him. He knows he's able. And there is something that we need to recognize this morning as we go through this text. Because when you find descriptions of those with leprosy throughout the Scriptures, a lot of times this leprosy is given to us in a twofold way so that we can understand the effects of sin. Because this man has a disease, but I need to remind us all, we all have a disease. Every single soul in this room today is plagued with an incurable disease. It's called death. It's called sin. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Gang, let me just say this, because a lot of times when, when we talk about these things, it, it makes us uncomfortable, and it should. It should. I remember, by the way, my story, I didn't come to know Jesus Christ until I was 25 years of age. I was caught up in, in alcohol and drugs and a very immoral lifestyle, and at age 25, I got my toes not just stepped on, I mean almost broke to get my attention. But God was gracious. And He is willing. He is willing to heal. He is willing to cleanse. And I just want to say this. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, let me introduce Him to you. Because He is willing. He's willing to cleanse you from the disease that plagues you the most. It's the disease of sin. Some of you may be suffering from physical ailments or problems, but let me say, that's not the biggest problem you have. The biggest problem man has is the incurable disease of sin. 
we talked about in our Sunday school class, original sin. That's what we've been talking about for the past couple of Sundays. And the idea of original sin is that because Adam and Eve fell, man has since then been born into this world spiritually dead. There's none that seeks after God. Oh, we don't mind being spiritual. But we're spiritually dead. And the only way that we can be made alive is when we recognize our sin and see the one who's the Savior. When we truly understand who Jesus is and what He has done to provide a cure, He wants to bring the cure. He is willing. And so this man, there's a great lesson here, and I want us to see this great parallel because in this text you'll notice. Notice what happens with this leper. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He came to him in faith. He realized that that Jesus was able. Do you know Jesus is able this morning? He's more than able. His grace is sufficient. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your, your, your battle is. But let me just say this. He is more than able. Now the man asks a great question if you're willing. Well, what if he's not willing? And sometimes in our life, he's not willing, right? You know, some people, they'll ask, well, pastor, I don't understand. Why, why, did, why did so-and-so have to die? They were a good person. Well, again, that's faulty thinking because if God's right, then there is no good people. Just one. Him. So we've got to get off this idea that we're good people. That's what the world teaches you. You know, the world teaches you, oh, well, we're all good. We, none of us have a spark of the divine within. That died when man fell. Our spirit within man is dead. Ephesians says, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. I'm dead in my trespasses and sin. I'm separated from God. God's the only one who's good. He's the only one that's good. Now here's the great thing. Because He's good, He loves us, and He wants to make us whole again. He wants to renew. He wants to remove what's been marred. We've been marred by sin. He wants to correct that. And so He demonstrated His love to us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. That He could buy us back. That He can offer forgiveness. He is willing. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. The problem is though, man loves darkness rather than light. He's unwilling, man is unwilling to come to Christ. As this man came in humility. Notice what the text says. It says he fell on his face. It shows humility. If you're going to come to Christ, we must come to Him with humility. Notice verse 13. Then he put out his hand and touched him. Whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. Imagine the scene. Unclean! 
Unclean. Everybody's parting. He sees Jesus. He goes and he falls down on his face. And he's worshiping. He's just crying out to him. He's begging him. He's imploring him. Please, if you will, I know if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus does something that I can just hear the crowd. (gasps) Gasp. You did not touch an unclean person. But Jesus reaches out and touches him. Guys, religion is man's attempt, man's attempt to reach up and touch God. That's religion. And that's impossible. Man cannot pull himself up by his bootstraps. But relationship is about God reaching down and touching man. And He did that through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus touched him. He identifies with him. And He identifies with you and me when He goes to the cross at Calvary. He touches our lives in the sense that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He took my penalty. He took my punishment. He took my sin upon himself at Calvary. That he might provide the healing you and I so desperately need. And so this story unfolds and Luke knows as he writes this, as driven by the Holy Spirit to record these words, he touched him and notice Jesus says, I am willing. I am willing. And sinner, hear his voice today. He is willing to cure you. He is willing to cleanse you. He is willing to forgive you of your sin. But if you will simply repent and come to Him in humility and fall before Him and ask for that forgiveness, that mercy, He desires to reach out and touch your life to heal you. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Gang, can I just say, when you turn to Jesus Christ to receive His mercy and His grace that He has provided through you at Calvary, through His death, His burial, and His resurrection, when you turn to Him in saving faith, when you call upon Him, He immediately heals you. Spiritually. In that you move from death to life. He breathes life into you so that the spirit that's dead in man is quickened and made alive. And that's why when a man is born again, spiritually his eyes are open. He begins to see for the first time. I begin to understand spiritual things. Whereas before, I didn't get this begot, begot, so-and-so, begot, and all this other stuff that I used to read just didn't make sense to me. But as the Spirit of God now dwells within my heart and as a believer and I open the Word of God and, and, and it feeds my soul and my spirit and, and it begins to renew my thinking and, and, and it's just it's truly a precious, the precious Word of God. It's my nourishment. It's my strength. And we begin to begin to be renewed. And if you've not experienced that, I'm encouraging again that Jesus is willing. 
Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one. Wait a minute, Jesus, you've just done an amazing miracle. This guy's been eat up with leprosy. I mean, you know, he probably tripped on his lip. I mean, this guy's like really struggling with some leprosy. You know? And now he's healed? Immediately? Can you just imagine? I mean, you know, I, I, I picture like the elephant man, and, you know, just coming back into, into, you know. And you don't want me to tell anybody? Why did Jesus tell him? Don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Well, we see why in that Mark passage. You remember the Mark passage we read? that talked about his disobedience. He ends up, and look, you can't blame the guy. He's just been healed. He's excited. He's going around telling about it. Yeah, man, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. Dude, is that you? Wow. You, you, you look really good. My Jesus makeover. <laughs> He tells everybody, the reason why, looking back at the Mark passage, I'm going to try and wrap this thing up here if we can here in just a few. Whew, I know, there's a miracle, huh? <laughs> All right, hold it to yourself. <laughs> Look back over there in that Mark 1 passage real quick. Everybody turn over to Mark 1 again, because I, I want us to get this. Here's why Jesus didn't want him to uh, go around telling everybody. Verse 45. Chapter 1, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter, here it is, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. Jesus now can't just come into the city freely. There he is! You know? Can you imagine? And look, Jesus, Luke's already taught us this about Jesus. His goal was not to be a healer. That wasn't his reason for healing. The healing was there to point them to who he is. He's God incarnate. It was to authenticate his ministry. Very important, guys. That's why we don't go around to... Healers today, right? And let me just tell you, keep your money in your pocket if you see somebody telling you, send me 1995 and you'll get this handkerchief and this bottle of oil that you can use to heal or whatever. Keep your money. All right? I'm not saying God doesn't still heal today, but I can tell you he don't need some guy in a Hawaiian shirt from Hawaii with gold teeth to do the healing. And now Jesus is unable to come into the cities as freely as he once could because now the word's getting out. And, it, 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 he did, and again, this is for the purpose of not shifting people's focus to just the healing, just like we learned in John. You remember that when he fed the 5,000 and many of them followed him. Why? Because they could get their belly full. First entitlement program. They figured if they could stay with Jesus, they'd just get, get it handed out to them all the time. They'd get fed all the time. And 
That's all they had to do. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Oh, that's a tough saying. What's he mean? In other words, he has to be the motivating factor. They need to recognize him for who he is. He's the bread from heaven. He points them to that understanding. He's pointing them to, trying to point them to the fact that the reason he's doing these miracles is to authenticate who he is and that he's here to offer a greater cure, and that is the cure for sin. Notice what happens next. He says, tell this to no one. And he says, go and show yourself to the priests as proof of healing. And so this, again, this was part of it. If you want to kind of find the code of, of conduct as to what was to take place, you can find that in Leviticus 13 and 14. I'll not go into that. But it was customary for them to present themselves to the priest. So Jesus is wanting him to follow the proper channels so that, again, this is done openly, done right. It's authenticated so that it would be proof to them that this man truly was cured and truly was healed. Notice what happens next. It says there in uh, Luke 15, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus' desire was that he would be known for who he is. And this man knew him for who he was. He recognized that he was more than able. And he was more than willing. Let me just sum up those other texts that we read by saying this. The passages of him the young man being lowered down through the, through the roof. That, well, you know what? I, I'm going to hold off on that because there's too much there to, to, to tie it up in a, in a nutshell. Let me just close with these thoughts. If you're here this morning, I don't know what, what you think your greatest need is. Maybe you have a sickness. Maybe you have marital problems. Maybe you have an addiction problem. Maybe you have uh, a self-esteem issue. Maybe there's a depression. I don't know what your struggle is. But can I encourage you to do as the man who had leprosy did? See Jesus Christ. Fall on your face before Him. Recognize that if He's willing, He's able to help with your greatest need. And maybe the answer is not in the way in which you want it to be. He may not help remove the pressure in your marriage. He may not immediately remove that addiction. He may not cure that sickness. But can I tell you, 
He absolutely will bring healing to your soul. And that's the greatest need man has. Because, guys, this world is temporal. And these problems are temporal in the scheme of eternity. Though these surface skin issues may be cumbersome, they may be troubling, they may ostracize you, they may cause you to be an outcast, they may give you complications in life, it's only skin deep. And God's healing reaches far beyond that. He can cure your greatest need. And that's the need to know Him. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for this group this morning. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would just speak. Speak to where people are. Our text says that you came into a certain city. Lord, no doubt you are here in this certain church. Your presence this morning. And Lord, I pray every soul here would see you. They would fall on their face before you. Humility and worship. Lord, I pray our souls would implore that our hearts would cry out. Lord, if you're willing, you know this struggle. You know this situation. Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. You can make me whole. Lord, hear my cry. Hear the cry of every heart that's here. Lord, I pray as in the story today, you would touch us. And we'd hear the words, you are willing. Lord, you are willing. Maybe not necessarily to remove the thorn in the flesh, as Paul prayed three times. He said, Lord, if, if you would, remove this thorn in my flesh. I, I'm struggling. This is my problem. This is my situation. But your words and instruction to him was my grace is sufficient. Lord, in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. And so, Father, I pray that in our weakness we would see your strength. Give the healing needed. Give the encouragement to every soul that's here today. Whatever it is they're, they're searching for, whatever it is, Lord, that, that's plaguing them, may they turn to you. Maybe you're here today and you just want somebody to pray with you. 